life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. Seems like it's been a long time since we've been behind the mic doing this, even though it hasn't. We recorded a bunch of podcasts just ahead of mm-hmm. going to our big shoot wait weekend, mm-hmm. yeah, which was for episode six of our upcoming Velocity season, which is crazy to say yes. that it is happening. Yes, but you and I were driving a uh, a couple of very cool cars well, on it, track and this, on PCH. The weekend was honestly it was one of those challenges of how much can we cram into three days of our lives. <laughs> I'm feeling it today because too. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you because because two major things were happening. We we were on track at Laguna. Yeah, and we were on PCH Pacific Coast Highway Highway One, the best part of it, Big Sur section. To shoot for TV. Yeah, it was great. But by the way, in case you forgot, we were also doing a meetup at the track for people that listen to this podcast and follow the show. Thank you to all of you that came. We did dinner with everybody afterward. We did a drive the next morning. We did a lunch the next day while we're then trying to get shooting done in and around this. And then if that weren't enough, before we <laughs> hopped a plane, we went and shot a fast blast. I, I'm kind of looking back on that three days and going, I, I, sometimes I want a 36-hour day. Those couple of days, I think we had them. Yeah, no kidding. And I will echo you to thank everybody that came along. It was really cool. And we had some good stories and good connections. And it was cool to talk to people from, I mean, all walks of life mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, all career walks of life. For sure, for it sure. It was so interesting to learn about what people do and, and uh, you know, cars, the thread of cars and the love of cars connecting everybody. And then mm-hmm. it just kind of goes from there, which is so mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, I mean, so cool. the coolest thing about it was the fact that here, these were people that we could make friends with we would have never met in any other way than by this show. Yeah. And they yeah. were meeting each other. Because, of course, look, there were 20-something people at every one of these events. We're not able to talk to everybody. So yeah, right. I mean, everybody just kind of connected over cars and all this it was amazing it was really really cool and i one of the, my favorite things about it honestly and there were many cool things is there were multiple of you that came to the track day that had never been on track before yeah, this and that was just amazing. thrilled me. I mean, yeah. thanks to NC Racing for setting up not only a great day but an affordable day to get on track. But many of you that have driven in all kinds of scenarios, driven lots of cars, but for whatever reason had never been on track, this was the impetus for you to get on track for the first time. And I love that. And by the way, you're starting on Laguna Seca, not a bad place <laughs> to be. Well, while we were away shooting, actually during the trip, uh-huh. we came uh-huh. across uh, a piece of news that most of you have written to us about questions for this podcast. And we will talk about it at length here. And it is Mr. Elon's most recent unveiling Mm -hmm. of two cars. Actually, one is the Mm semi-truck and one is the new Tesla Roadster that has crazy claims. We've got to talk about this at length because here he is dropping another bombshell on the automotive and tech world in general. And, of course, it was mobbed. It was, you know, social media everywhere. And uh, here we go. We've got... uh, We've got this, the long-awaited semi-truck, which I am going to say, I think the Nikola Motors, based here in Salt Lake, looks better and is actually better stats than the Tesla semi that was just released. We'll get into that shortly. So the semi was released. And then, as I said, this Roadster, the new Roadster, fresh design. On top of a Model 3 chassis, we believe. I think I think the rolling prototype is a Model 3 chassis because it just makes sense. It just <laughs> makes sense to have a Model 3 chassis and you put that Roadster body on it, and that's how you do a rolling prototype for the big reveal. So you're sitting here watching the uh, the video of the, the reveal here, mm-hmm. and I said, man, it's just going to make you angry if you keep watching <laughs> It's just going to tick you off. Because I'm going to need to rant. That's true. (laughs) Of course. There's there's so much stuff here. There's so much to talk about here because there's the the whole semi part of it. Yeah. And there's the roadster part of it. And honestly, on the semi thing, I want to just give a nod to somebody else. Okay. I don't know if you saw this yet or not. It's been a few places. It should be everywhere. Jonathan Ramsey, who writes for Autoblog. Okay. Has get, is getting a lot of play elsewhere because the, the headline is, this ex-trucker has some questions about the Tesla sim, Semi. Well, Jonathan Ramsey's an excellent writer that writes for Autoblog in mm-hmm. general. But for reasons I don't understand, he was, a, he was a short-haul trucker for like six to nine months. Hey, 
So do what you got to do. Exactly. You know? but, and so people What's have all kinds of careers. Exactly. Who knows what the reasons were. But the point is he comes to this with straight-up experience and automotive journalism background and the ability to write well and just goes, let me break this down. And it's superb. Mm. Excellent. He asks a lot of questions from a usable a user standpoint and just goes, you've tried to reinvent the wheel here, and in the process you've missed things that truckers need. Interesting. So I haven't I'm, read the I'm, article yet. I'm but not going to go through everything he talks about. He does a superb job. We'll post a link tomorrow. But a couple of the things he mentioned that I want to mention real quick. He doesn't like the center driving position hmm. because he talked about how often and how important it is to be able to look directly to his left and see the car below him. Oh, sure. Which if you're sitting in the center position, you can't do. And sure. if you're in California or most states, you're not in the far left lane anyway, which means you may be in the far right lane. The most likely place you have a car beside you is your left side. If you're mm. sitting in the driver position, you can look right down out that window and see if there's a car there. Center, in the center driving position, you can't do that. So he brought up that, which I thought was interesting. That's a great and point. And he also made the concept comment where he said, of course, Tesla's big selling point is everything we make is high speed. And he said, if you want right. to help truckers, make it break better. Interesting. Well, it doesn't change how drivers interact with trucks. And that is, True. I see cars cutting off big semi-trucks all the time. And you guys who are truckers listening right now, I mean, you know this. I think people need to respect you guys far more than they do because mm -hmm. of the weight alone which leads us to braking, yeah. certainly. Yeah, but for sure. people don't understand the fact that these trucks cannot do what cars can in terms mm -hmm. of performance, nor should they. No. I mean, yeah, speed here, but to your point, I'd like, I'd like long range. I mean, that'd be the yeah. biggest selling point. And Nikola Motors still kills it on range. Making your semi get up to speed quickly is not the thing that the, that the semi world was crying out for. Improve our acceleration, I don't think great, so either. but I don't think it's the number one thing by any means. And this is a very stark, simple interior. Now, to Tesla's credit, this is not set up as their long-haul truck. This is set up as their work-a-day, across-one-city kind of – you have sure. a, you have a job, it your still shift is driving. still a class-8 semi, though. True, but it's not intended to be your long-haul truck, sure. and, and they've come right out with that. So we can't be looking for creature comforts, nice cab. We have to compare it to those short-haul trucks you see that drive during the day that don't have a, a camper back on them. That's what mm -hmm. we're really talking about. Look, this looks hyper sci-fi, and it's ridiculously hyper-clean design. I see it connected to the Tesla ethos, if you will, but I don't know that it has actually solved any problems. Hmm. I mean, possibly. I mean, diesel emissions alone, okay, that's the biggest one to tackle here. Oh, I agree. By no, I agree with this. that, for sure. So by doing that, yes, I would like to see a rendering on their website here, which I do not, of a 40-foot container behind this thing, not a super sleek, beautiful, just a whatever, you know, trailer being pulled by this beautiful new yeah. truck i'd like to see reality like you know instead of showing this you know through a beautiful canyon where it's probably an hdr which is probably just a rendering but you know how about at the docks at long beach yeah, or yeah. you know the port of portland or somewhere where we've got you know reality and and uh you know some testing with that i'm sure it's coming but mm -hmm. but then you scroll down the website and it says safest truck ever according to us well yeah yeah. You know, the best performance ever, according to us, sure. lowest cost of ownership, on and on and on. Well, you're, you're touching on something that honestly, I mean, it relates to the roads, it relates to this. Here, here is a, something I mentioned to you, but it's the biggest headline, I feel like, for Tesla. And the fact that you and I are talking about it proves the point I'm about to make. I'm not making a political commentary here. I'm making a cultural commentary, so please follow my whole line of thinking. Okay. Tesla is doing exactly what Donald Trump has done for the last three or four years. Okay, in what sense? In, this is not political, in that they are constantly doing something that can't help but get people talking about them. Fair enough. And so therefore, enough. they don't need to advertise. Tesla is a company that has no press cars. True. They don't have, listen to that again, they don't have press cars. They don't if, build if cars If a journalist for that. No. gets into a car, they have borrowed it from someone and it wasn't Tesla. Or in the case of Consumer Reports, they actually buy one. Of course. But, but, still, but, yeah, there's, but they there's do no, that for all no the cars, cars, though. I mean, exactly. Consumer Reports gets all of their cars that way. So Tesla needs to always do something, as Donald Trump has done. This is the correlation I'm making. Okay. Not, not their approach to the world. Again, it's just they're doing something that makes the media and makes everybody go, did you hear what they did? 
Mm-hmm. And and they're the good Model at it 3, too. At the, well, Elon Musk is great at it. Th- this to me, I think the subtitle of Tesla needs to be the the shiny object company, because <laughs> as soon as any one of their products becomes almost reality, and reality sets in of production problems and why is this bad fitment and all these kind of things, there's a new shiny object that we're chasing. Hey, don't look <laughs> over here. Look over here. Shiny object. Shiny object. And and you and I are sitting here right now talking about the new shiny objects. As is everybody, every journalist, everybody yes, waiting yes. for their Model Three. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm, is now mm-hmm. talking about, huh? Why are they coming out with more new product when they can't even build? The Model 3 over here, which we'll get to in just a moment. But Mm -hmm. yes, the Semi is interesting. It's fine. It could be more compelling in terms of design. I mean, it's it's clean. I'll give it that. But I don't think it's a beautiful truck. And if we're going to do a clean sheet design... Come on, you know design is my my thing, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. the sweet spot. I mean, design is compelling. And, you know, semi-trucks, every object, it can be beautiful looking. Sure, 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 sure. This is not, in my opinion... I uh, will correct myself here and, and say it's clean looking and it's new and fresh. And I like it because of the technology and because of Tesla pushing everybody forward. That's what Elon is doing here. Yeah, He's getting yeah. people talking and pushing things faster than things are really actually moving. Fair. Which is Fair. good. I mean, we always need those visionary people and those innovators Yeah, that gets other people doing, well, you know, if he's thinking that, why don't I try this? Sure. Possibly. You know, possibly. And, and it, yeah. it sparks other innovation, which I think he's very good at. Mm-hmm. What I think he's bad at is execution. Mm-hmm. Tesla is very good at building these one-offs. Mm-hmm. But how about production? And that leads us to the Roadster here. I mean, the Model 3 is really having some problems. I hear for sure. They're, for sure. they're out and in production, but not at the numbers he's been claiming. No, no, Sensational no. Sensational I mean, numbers. Well, but the, the, the company, since, since forever, since the – let's go look. Let's go back to Roadster 1.0. Oh, sure. I saw one has, the other day, actually, when we were in California. Yeah, this is a company that has consistently missed all of their you-can-expect-delivery dates. They've, they've missed all of them. Yeah, there's not mm-hmm. like well they used to be good at it and now they slipped a bit. Whatever the the initial promises were, blown past them. Now sure. it hasn't hurt the stock price. In fact, it's done the opposite. It hasn't hurt the <laughs> well, ability for, for the reasons ha- you state to have investors. Yeah, yeah, they, they are the sexy place to put your money. I I continue to be boggled by the tire fire of cash that Tesla is, <laughs> and the I fact that, that they remain that the fact that they remain the darling of investors and the stock market and people's general perception. Imagine if Apple, which is the closest correlation, couldn't actually get phones in your hand. The new phone's oh, supposed to yeah. be awesome. We've had a great dog and pony show, but by the way, you want to have it next month when we promise, but it's going to be sometime next year. How many of those people would just go buy a Samsung? Many of them. I would hope many of them. And how quickly would people's perception of Apple stumble? But yet somehow Tesla is, for another way to put it, stumbling along in spite of that. Sure. And the thing I find interesting about all of this is the money. And I am not good with finances. I will not claim that. So the money regarding what? The cost or the cash burn rate? The cash burn rate. But here's what I mean. What are you thinking? Rewind to Model 3. And I actually looked it up. When we talked about the Model 3 on our podcast, it was April 1st of 2016. That was not an April Fool's joke. That's when we talked about the reveal of the Model 3. Right. So we are 18 months later. (laughs) And the first Model 3s are just showing up. Yeah. And if you're number 400,000 in line, welcome to 2019, maybe 2020. Possibly, To have yeah. your car, okay? Yeah. So that's, that's the first thing I want to know. But it was back in last spring, 2016 spring, summer, when they got 400,000 reservations at 1,000 apiece. Now, do your math right there about yeah. how many millions that is. Oh. Folks, they that, took in a lot of cash. That millions did not go to building your Model 3. That went to the hemorrhaging of cash they had at the time they took those reservations. So fast forward now to the Roadster. If you want the first gen, I mean, if you want this Roadster, want to be one of the first, give us your quarter million dollars right now. That quarter million dollars is not going to building your Roadster. It's going to the fact that they are hemorrhaging cash to build the Model 3. Sure. When does this roller coaster catch up? That's my question. Yeah, and now that we're seeing the potential of subsidies going away, it mm-hmm. has not still at this point as of this recording, but we're seeing, you know, and, and you know, coming to the question of will that keep the interest high enough if subs- subsidies entirely disappear 
in the U.S. and North America, worldwide, will that keep the interest high enough? Mm. Again, I come back to the visionary part of Elon, which I admire tremendously. I admire the companies that he's built. Sure. I admire the kingdom that he's got, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, for sure that's what it is. But there have been these shiny objects, as you've put it, in between, hey, Model 3 and then, you know, Hyperloop talk and then, t- you know, Elon Musk is going boring. He's boring tunnels under L.A. Yeah. and, yeah. you know, all these little interim things. I'm going to go to Mars. Before he can announce. Yeah. Exactly. So before he can announce the new semi and the Roadster, which brings me to the stats of the Roadster. Mm. And by the way, Brandomness on Instagram said, did Tesla just out Porsche Porsche? Do you think there will be an e-Cayman? As a matter of fact, they have debuted an e-Cayman as a one-off, as a test to gauge, you know, pretty much customer mm-hmm. interest and all that kind of stuff. I think that'd be a great platform to start with, as a matter of fact. Also, MWAR99 has asked us to talk about it. So here are the stats. If you have not caught up with the stats yet online anywhere, they're everywhere, practically every news channel you ever read. $200,000, 0 to 60 in 1.9, mm-hmm. top speed over 250 miles an hour, and a 620-mile range. So you can get one for a $50,000 deposit and place your stack of cash on top of the already burning pile mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. as you said. It's going to vanish. That cash is gone, <laughs> folks. That yeah. cash is not coming back to you. It's not going into your roadster. <laughs> it's going on to the tire fire. Or you can pay $250,000 up front to get in line for the 1000 Founder Series, mm-hmm. which is going to be a badge and some trim. Mm-hmm. You know that's it. There, mm-hmm. It's not going to be more, better, faster numbers than already exist here. And that's the thing. I come back to, yeah, they've built it. It works. It runs. They've probably gauged these stats well, off of the car that they, they have. They've built the something prototypes. to drive around the stage. Sure. Maybe the maybe those numbers aren't quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Fine. But I, I I love that he's he's serving notice to every car manufacturer on the planet. I love that part, that everybody is waking up and going, wow, this is going way faster than we thought. Elon is doing this and that. But then, then again, keep in mind, you know, don't look behind the curtain. Don't look over here yeah. where the Model 3s are not yeah. being built. But that pile of cash did go into plant ramp up and tooling and all that stuff. So that is now in place. It's just getting those out the door and production problems. You don't just instantly go make it. Making a car and stamping sheet metal, everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's an art to it. I mean, some companies stamp a piece three times and you have to overbend it. And mm-hmm. the guys doing the job, they're artisans, actually. Yeah. You know, BMW might stamp this piece five times, which is more time-consuming, costly, and it makes that a little bit more brittle and thinner right there. But they got yeah. the beautiful design, or GM's doing it three times, or, you know, there's an yeah. art to it. You don't just, well, well, let's just put them together now, the end. Yes, and you're, and you're bringing up another point that I read, and that is most auto manufacturers make a test run. Let's run all the stampings. Let's do a few cars. These are the, where the pre-production cars come from for press cars. Mm-hmm. They're running yeah. the car through to, to kind of do shakedown. Exactly. Tesla is not doing sorted. that with the Model 3. <laughs> they deliver those cars to customers. is delivering those cars to the customers that are first in line. <laughs> exactly. And one of the, the founders things, edition cars exactly that you're paying extra for <laughs> exactly. exactly so those cars be, because they can't afford to do a round of production testing right and they got to get them out the door I mean there's all of these things I just I I do wonder at at some point do all of these ideas hit up against the stark wall of reality and if so what and I'm not saying I'm looking for Tesla to fail I'm looking for reality to catch up to these ideas because. I don't even necessarily personally want to comment on the stats because for me, it's the Hennessy Venom. Sure. Yeah. It, it, uh, Hennessy is an established, and here's why I'm correlating the two Hennessy is an established company. They've made cars, they've made fast cars, they've made other people's cars blindingly fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, they're not a startup that randomly said, we're going to do this and they've never done a car before. That's Tesla in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I'm not correlating the fact that obviously Hennessy's burning gas and Tesla's pushing electric. Electric's here to stay, and it's, it's, a, it's an area to push in technology. I get it. But the Venom is sitting there with all of these amazing stats it's supposedly going to do, and so is this Roadster. Now, while the Roadster at least rolls around on the stage, Tesla has a platform they can build a one-off show-me Roadster on. And that's sure. the Model 3. Yeah. I fully believe that's a Model 3 chassis. Underneath. I'm sure it is. So there's that. That and, and the Model 3 is fast enough to drive around out outside of that hangar when they did this reveal and look quick. Yeah. 
Yeah. It doesn't look 1.9 zero to 60 quick, but it looks quick. It also doesn't look all that agile, but it turns. So there's your Model 3 chassis. Right. Okay? So these stats are not reality yet. I'm not even going to talk about the, what is it, 7,000 torque figure, which is, <laughs> which is it's fuzzy math is the, is the thing. But there's no discussion of how and tires. And, and these are the same questions that, that Hennessy hasn't solved. In my mind, these are both... Other than the fact there's a rolling chassis to put a, a pretty body on, they're both at the same stage. The mm-hmm. Hennessy Venom and, and this Tesla Roadster are both – they're vaporware right now. It's we have done math. We have put our engineers together, and we've said these are going to be the stats. Put up your money now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I agree. And regarding the stats, the reason Tesla is doing it this way is because, as you and I have noted before, they approach this as technology firmware updates, software updates, mm-hmm. it can always continually be made better even during the initial production run. That's continuing to change and be better too. For sure, yeah. Whereas other established car manufacturers, they're not going to bring a product to market until they say it's ready or we're out of time for the most part. That's a general statement. In general, yeah. You know, there's always problems with first run of cars of, you know, whatever mm-hmm. that is. But generally speaking, here it is. It's ready to go. You can buy it. Here it is. We're in production. You can go buy one. Mm-hmm. That's you know kind of how mm-hmm. they operate. Yeah. yeah. And with these stats, everybody who buys a Tesla now is eager to show those stats off to everybody they know. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, it's kind of tiresome. I mean, you do it over and over and over, and you're going to be ill at these stats. I mean, doing that so many times. I mean, yeah, it's fun. I, I agree. But there's something to the visceral nature of the cars we love with sound being part of that equation Possibly, and yeah. shifting and yeah. feeling the second to third and the torque slamming back in the seat. And, you know, the, the, there's an argument to be made on both sides for the visceral sound that goes mm-hmm. along with, you know, and the feeling and the rumble and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a party trick. But then coming to handling, I bet you Porsches are going to handle far better than any Tesla. That's what I gather. <laughs> Tesla's concentrating on just fast. We're just fast and quick and the That end. is their market thing. Well, as is proven by we've made the fastest semi because that's a question nobody asked. <laughs> right. But then there's Porsche. Whenever they do it, whenever their mission E comes out, mm-hmm. whenever their electric mm-hmm. whatevers, then they're going to be concentrating on the entire driving experience, not just the similar stats, not just mm-hmm. a mode that pins you the, to the back of the seat and makes all your friends giggle and you put up a YouTube video. Mm-hmm. So and then you make your passengers sick. It can seem like we're throwing rocks here. I realize that. It's just I, I'm with you. I want the cars, when they're announced, to be, hey, it's going to be ready here, and then that to be followed through on. Mm-hmm. I'm with you on that. But I would I, love to see that. I'm throwing, honestly, I'm throwing no more shade than I would on any concept. I said very similar things about the Hennessy Venom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay? The thing that, that uh, Tesla's got over the Venom right now is the fact that they have a rolling prototype they put on stage, whereas I'm pretty sure the Hennessy Venom it, you could have knocked on it and it would have been hollow, okay? So that's the difference. Yeah, probably. But Tesla has a chassis to build on that they can roll it around and you can go, ooh, that's fast. But even going back to the Model 3, the Model 3 reveal was, don't you want to have a $35,000, 300-mile range uh, th- Tesla that does 0 to 60 in like 5 seconds? That's playing awfully broad with the numbers because if you want to get those numbers, you're spending sixty grand. Sure. Or if you want to get the $35,000 figure, a lot of those those great performance figures aren't now the case. So I just – this is – right now, this is concept vehicle. Like any concept vehicle that I just kind of roll my eyes about, that's what this is. Mm -hmm. It's presented wonderfully well because Tesla does that incredibly well. But it's it's smoke. If you add the $5,000 option down the road, you don't buy your Model 3 with – whatever that is, ludicrous mode or whatever mm-hmm. feature, and you say, you know what, I'm just going to get the car now, and then six months from now, and then I'll, you know, I'll get that. I'll buy the, the thing that updates the firmware for the car to do blank. Mm-hmm. Do you still count that against the price of the car? Because you should. you should, but you're not going to, because in your mind you say, oh, well, I got it for $38,000. But yeah. then if you keep adding the, the apps or the add-ons sure, sure. over here, then that actually increases the price of your car without mm-hmm. you knowing it, really. 
Well, I mean, it's it firmware. Like, it's early adoption towards cars like yeah. you do with electronics. A lot of the outlets have done the math and have figured out that they think the average uh, Model 3 price is going to be around fifty grand, And the mm-hmm. one you want that does all the bells and whistles that were sh- sh- talked about at the original reveal is every bit of sixty sixty five. Yeah. yeah. But the reveal was, here's our $35,000 car. So here's this Roadster with earth-rending, everybody-bow-down stats. Mm-hmm. And I go, <laughs> oh, sure. look, a Model 3 with a body kit. Yeah. Because until yeah. you've got it, and until somebody other than Tesla is driving it around to measure it, it's smoke and mirrors to not notice the fact that, oh, by the way, those Model 3s, we're not sure when they'll be there. But then the other side of that argument is, at least they're doing it. At least they're pushing and knocking on the door and you know, throwing down and saying, here's what we've got. But then if this car is truly ready two, three, four years from now mm-hmm. and on sale... What is the car industry going to look like then? And every other car manufacturers just sure. sitting back and going, "Uh huh, just show your hand now," because you know we'll be ready for you then. You know, possibly they're, they're yeah, showing it too early. Who knows? Maybe, but it, maybe I, I'm so back and forth. At least they're pushing, which I love the the progressive, you know, forward push on that in that sense with the next gen automotive tech. Yeah, but then I want reality because then it's just entertainment. It's just a it's, news article. Is it's all it just. Is. It's the ongoing shiny object that I can't wrap my head around. And I think the 3 – here's the thing. I think the 3 is cool. I think the S is very impressive. Absolutely. I think the X is flawed by its desperate attempt to make stupid doors. But that's a side note. (laughs) But I think the S is an incredibly impressive car. I don't think the interior holds up to the price. No. But I think that that Tesla is – has also put their stake in the ground at screens rule all, and therefore the interiors become very stark – and the the materials aren't hundred thousand dollar materials in an S, but they're very impressive. Every time I drive one, they're very impressive. They look great. The three is on that. The three feels like it's from the same family, and I mean that as a huge compliment. But let's get the three out. Let's get that as a success. Agreed. Let's figure it out mass market let's get stuff it out there and stop doing. Hey, look what the shiny object is this week to distract us from the reality of the fact that there's a tire fire out back that we're throwing <laughs> money on and we can't get stuff out the door. I, I'm all about the reality of it. I'm, that's the thing for me. I'm with you. Well, this does tie into a thing I want to touch on as well about uh, news from Uber and Volvo. Oh, yeah. Because, of course, the Tesla Model 3, I think, will be used as a rideshare car primarily. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to discover this car and be able to go make money with it. It's so virtually maintenance-free. Mm-hmm. And so regarding the rideshare industry here, the news is recently Uber has signed a deal to buy 24,000 autonomous vehicles from Volvo. What I'm finding fascinating, and think about this, everyone, when we talk about autonomous vehicles retrofits can be made of it's course it's almost yeah. going to be like you put a stereo in your car you go buy a stereo you go to your local stereo install place For sure Absolutely they retrofit it yep. you got bluetooth and you got all these features nav and all the stuff you never had before mm-hmm. same car yep but there's so many companies out there doing this retrofit so that means when we say autonomous cars it's not some new clean sheet crazy looking weird yeah. design yeah it might be that in the future mm-hmm. but this is existing cars that you could probably drive normally yourself or this is you know operating autonomously we're going to have 20 years of that i guarantee you we're yeah. going to have 20 years of that let's let's say for for example that by 20 let's i'm just going to pick a number by 2040 let's say every car being sold i, I don't think it's as fast but by 2040 let's say every car being sold is electric and autonomous when it rolls off the line okay it's not going to be like every car made before 2040 is now suddenly ma- magically poof off the roads Mm-hmm. There's going to be 20 right. years of cars prior that are still being used for commute because I can't afford the new sheet metal. Right. So that stuff's going to have to be retrofit just to play along. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So here we are, a company whose business model is founded on not owning product and not owning cars mm-hmm. is now signing a deal to buy 24,000 cars and actually own inventory. Yep. Which means now electric, gas, or however <laughs> this car is powered – they're going to have to own the car and insure it and maintain it and maintain mm-hmm. fleets of vehicles mm-hmm. to maintain the ride-sharing thing. Yep. I find that kind of funny and ironic all at the same time. Yep. I think it will be fine. I'm just wondering by the time these come on the road and actually doing their thing, Uber is claiming as early as 2019. I'm wondering if that does coincide with an IPO for the entire company. Who knows? We'll Who knows? see. We'll see. But well, I'm, but you're I'm right. curious about this. We're talking about both with Uber and Tesla. We're talking about essentially software 
which you can make out of thin air and doesn't require a whole lot of we now own stuff and built stuff colliding head on with the realities of cars, which is we have to have a thing. We have to build a thing. We have to maintain a thing. Mm-hmm. which deteriorates and has other problems and why doesn't that fit right and all of that stuff. Now, yeah. Uber, I have I have heard, and actually some of you have written in about the fact that Uber has said in, in the Waymo uh, case and other places, they've said that in their long-term plan, the thing that would benefit them most is to remove the most costly part of their scenario, which is all these drivers they have to pay. Sure. So it would help Uber to own vehicles that can run autonomously, but that's not the step we're at yet. No. We're just talking about them owning a bunch of cars, a company that started as just an app now has to buy a bunch of stuff to keep pushing themselves forward. Sure, which brings up the question. I think a few few are on your mind about, you know, are people going to hack these and commandeer these to mm. knock over banks and ATMs and, hey, nobody got hurt, right? And then there were screenplays, yes. Right. The movies write themselves. They already kind of are with mm. The Last Fast and Furious. Yeah, well, that, it, that, it, that wasn't that, grounded no, in No, reality, that movie though. felt like it wrote itself. That did well, not feel like yeah. it was well-written by... by <laughs> By seasoned scribes, even though I'm sure it had about eight. I should look it up. Probably had about eight screenwriters on it, and they all were well paid. I'm sure. This is what development does. Wow. Well, guys, give us a couple minutes. Uh, We will be right back after this. What's it like for you watching games of your son coaching? Agonizing. It's a family affair on Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. You know, I didn't know there was actual work here. <laughs> Recent guests include Rich Eisen, Judge Judy, John Harbaugh, and the Sklar brothers. That was definitely a great moment to tell our parents, hey, we're not going to go to law school. We're just going to go ahead and do a job we could have done out of high school. Thanks for paying Thanks for, for, paying for college. <laughs> Exclusively on Podcast One Sportsnet. Get episodes every Tuesday at Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life. Now we're back with an actual car debate. We're only going to do one tonight because in case you noticed, we just ranted for a half hour <laughs> on smoke and mirror stuff on the front half of the podcast, uh, and I'm sure there will be angry letters. But, uh, you know, but, but you know, maybe we're the counterpoint to the multiple. Have you noticed there are multiple Tesla-only podcasts out there? Yes, there are. And I'm sure all of them are talking about everything that's wonderful. Reveling so in I their just, Dear John Letters to Big Oil. Yeah. Anyway, and, uh, so we've got a car debate are made here. out of hemp. Sorry. (laughs) Maybe. Uh, We've got a car debate here for uh, Thomas writing to us from Jupiter, Florida, and he's saying, please help me out of SUV hell. And we've got to find him a car. He's in a 2016 Toyota 4Runner Limited, and it's fine, but not good enough. But here's the big problem, and I do mean big. Yeah. Our friend Thomas is 6'5", 250. (laughs) <laughs> and he describes he's not only six foot five, he's six foot five with a long torso, which means he probably fits in less stuff than I do. Yeah. And that's a problem. Yeah. So as Todd said, he's got this twenty sixteen Toyota Forerunner Limited. He's got two sixty pound hounds, he says. <laughs> so funny. He wanted something reliable and professional that he could also strap his paddleboards to on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Now he likes the car, but he is not inspired in any way. Sure. And he's got this tall torso thing going on. And after 18 months and 42,000 miles with this car, it's causing him back pain, which is no good. That I mean, if the car is causing you pain. For sure. For physical sure. pain. That is no good. All right. So his dream car is a 911. I get it. But with two dogs and possibly kids soon, he obviously does not think that's the right choice for a primary vehicle. He's had a bunch. And you're all over the map here. Yeah. Thomas, uh <laughs> Cadillac Sedan DeVille in high school, 93 Ford Ranger, Honda Accords, big truck Ford F-350 diesel. Holy moly. Yeah. (laughs) By the way, he does mention on here he had a 71 Porsche 914, and my question is, how did you fit in that, sir? Yeah, no kidding. Top, target top off? Maybe, maybe. maybe. 
sticking his eyeballs in, above the windshield frame. In, in Florida, top off all the time is the only way I can think of that that even works. But yeah. granted, I mean, I haven't crawled in a stock 914 and thought about who taller than me could fit. I haven't thought about <laughs> right, it in those terms. Right. But uh, that amazes me. But he had a – he had a yeah, I think it's interesting. There's two Accords on here, an 02 Honda Accord Coupe, which he thought was a great fun car, an 09 Honda Accord, not the Coupe, that he hated and thought it was a mom car. So, so we've got a really a, – a, lots of variation here. So, yeah, Nissan Titan and then 02 Toyota Camry that he says, I don't want to talk about it. Leave me alone. Yeah. All right, we won't. So here he is wanting something fun, comfortable, but he drives, get this, 30,000 miles a year. Mm-hmm. So reliability and consumables are a very big concern. For and, sure. Uh, as you mentioned, he's down in South Florida in Jupiter. Straight shots, long highway runs on Highway 95 are his reality. But he wants something to drive to the beach or open up on a back road, which is be cool. Mm-hmm. Manual would be good and preferred if we can, but not a must. And then he needs a four-seat car for work sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll take that in consideration too. But his wife does have a 2012 Hyundai Sonata Limited. All right. Which is staying, and that's fine. So, right. Okay. Right. I like that you spelled Paul Limiter with one L, Thomas. That is Instead impressive. of a compound word just sliding the two together. It's actually one word. Yes. Trademark. Paul Limiter. Paul Limiter. That's only it. a single L. It is quite impressive to see it spelled that way. That may be the way it goes on a t-shirt. So that's good. <laughs> but we do have a Paul Limiter of 40K on the high end. He'd like to spend about 35, which makes this more difficult. He's thinking about uh, a two-car scenario is kind of his primary thought. And then okay. maybe he's got some one-car ideas, but two-car scenario, he says things like, again, he's a guy that wants a 911. A 997-911, could he pull it off and then get a Honda CRV or a Mazda CX-5 would be my counterpoint to that one. Sure. Something like that. So he's this is the kind of world he's thinking in to buy a couple of cars. Uh, but then he's got also some single-car choices. I, uh, I thought of uh, like four things here, some of which he's brought up and a couple that he didn't. Did you? Okay. As you said, he's got the scenario of single car versus two. If he just gets one car, he's considering a Cayenne. You mentioned a BMW M5. Mm-hmm. Well, none of the M5s are wimpy in any way. Or a wagon or a hatchback, something mm-hmm. like that. Okay. You know, Thomas, uh, as we jump into this, you know the cars that have a lot of headroom, surprisingly enough? Mini Coopers actually have quite a bit of headroom. Point. They do, yeah. It's actually a, astonishing. Kind of a shocking amount of headroom right now, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, to start off here, start the debate here, regarding your back pain, is fixing the seat an option? Hmm. Or could hmm. you just go buy new seats? I'm just asking. Now, I have noticed that various Toyota products look like big vehicles, and they are, but for some reason, the interior packaging it does not live up to the size of the vehicle for me. Mm, you get in and mm. think, oh, this is going to be plenty of room. And sure, sure, it's sure. It's a little bit squished, a little bit more cramped than you'd like. And I think that's still the case with Forerunners. They were always that way. Think about the 90s Forerunners. Mm-hmm. The floor was very high on the stock vehicle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they just... The seat is pretty low, so I never thought the, the seating position was very comfortable. Well, what you're talking about here, that is a great thing for Thomas to ponder in general. Car thrown out for a second, just... What are the tall man mods for the car you either own or want to own? Yeah. Okay? Yeah, yeah. I'll bring up the Lotus Elise for a second. I know because I have to. Uh, but but my head barely touches the ceiling in it. Mm-hmm. If I wear a helmet, it is touching the ceiling, and yeah. I just deal. There are tall man mods for the Lotus Elise that will allow me to get, I think it's an extra half inch out of uh, that car, which would kind of solve my problem. But here's the, here's the issue. Once you do that, you lose driver's seat travel. My wife and I use the car at different seating positions on the slider, mm-hmm. which means I can't do that. Right. But if this was going to be right. your only car and you were going to be the only one driving it, I say whatever you get, dig into forums and look for what are the tall man modifications on this car because almost every car has them because they tend to use whatever brand seats and you can get alternate seat rails that fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would certainly pursue that on whatever you wind up in. I did think of, uh, again, four things. You did say 911. Mm-hmm. I think that's an option because they do have surprising amounts of headroom. But, of course, you are buying a used one at this point. My concern here is consumables yeah, and for sure. Because if you're putting 30K on a car in a year, Porsche's big maintenance intervals are every 40,000 40, miles. So you're going to almost hit one of the big intervals 
over the course of one calendar Almost year. annually, and, yeah. And at least two of the little ones, which little ones are, you know, there are some filters and oil, and that's fairly straightforward. An independent will do that for 100 and 150. But an independent will do your big boy for probably two grand, 2,500. Mm-hmm. That's when it's a problem, especially with your amount of miles. That's my concern on the Porsche element, unless you do the two car. And I think the second car has got to be just a, you, you brought it up, the CRV or I, I would say Mazda CX-5. It's got to be a, a disposable four seat, throw the dogs in it, put the paddle boards on it, little SUV. Mm-hmm. I think that works. Um, so I like that idea. You mentioned the Panamera as a possible car for uh for you i think it could be your all-in-one car i do think that would work but we're back to maintenance again with a lot of miles back to maintenance although the seats are great and big guys fit in these cars the that's one of the reasons i like crazy. it so much colin that we know we have a friend here locally is colin like six seven he's got to be way up there he has to be at least six seven because yeah. he's more than two inches taller than you and me yeah and yeah, he's yeah. got serious weight on us on us as well he's a he's an enormous man yeah. yeah, and he has owned two different Panameras, and he fits in them with room to spare. Loves them, yeah, yeah, it's and great. drives them too. This is not a guy that cruises. I have I have watched him blow by me on freeways, and I don't drive slowly. <laughs> Colin drives that car, well, and it fits him wonderfully yeah. well. It's Granted, got a lot of power. He's got a turbo at this point. Yes, so it's 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 insane. <laughs> Brand new seventeen but, turbo, um, eighteen. But 17? Uh, yeah, he, well, he keeps trading out cars about once yeah. a year. That's the crazy thing. But I'm worried about <laughs> miles on that. There's no question it would fit you, but I'm worried about miles on that. I have two others, okay. but I'm curious where you are in all of this. I started with Cayenne or Panamera as well. I okay. feel like you're going to be able to find a Cayenne at your price point more easily than a Panamera, Thomas. I agree, for sure. Found you a 2013 Cayenne S with 56,000 miles for 40K, mm-hmm. right on 40, right on the Paul limiter, which I think could be a great option for you. And I will say, I'm going to go out on a very big limb here by saying cars that are consistently run and driven a long ways will continue to do so. Rather than sitting. I mean, yeah, you're going to have to put the maintenance into them, but they're just going to run and run and run and run. I mean, the the cars that I bought in college, the cars that I bought for my sister, you know, we bought Honda Accords with, you know, close to 200,000 miles, and then they left them by the side of the road at 300,000 miles. Sure, sure, sure. Can't believe it just keeps going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're just in that commute car. I mean, here's a Mini that you've got with 181,000, 182? 182,000. I mean, this car has high mileage. Yeah, it is. But it just runs and runs and runs. Now it's been very well taken care of. For sure, for sure, yeah. But I'm just, I'm putting it out there. Yes, maintenance is an issue, but they'll just, cars are made to be driven. There is something to say about consistent miles. Not thrashing miles, consistent miles with consistent maintenance. A lot of cars will will just chew up the miles and go through stuff, yeah. and off they go. Yeah, that's a fair point. Two more from me. I want you to take a look at an Audi Q5, Thomas. I think really? you can fit in this okay. with the two-liter turbo engine that they put in everything. It is actually spry. It's surprisingly fun to drive. Mm-hmm. Plenty of room. Fold those seats down. You can throw 60-pound hounds in the back. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, plenty of room for you and your wife for road trips, the whole thing. I think that could be an option because is it the most amazing handling car ever? No, it is not, but mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. surprisingly fun, as I said. And it's a good size, and okay. it's sort of the okay. cheaper Macan, if you will. Yeah. And then I'm going to land at a, a favorite that you and I have brought up before. Found you a red 2015 Mercedes-AMG GLA 45 with just under 20,000 miles for $40,000. That's a deal. Somebody needs to buy that, period, even if it's not Thomas. Do you think he'll fit in that car? I don't remember the headroom that, that I clearly. I think he'll fit. Okay. And I'm, I was just trying to think of what is the balance? How many mm-hmm. manufacturers make this balance of really fun to drive, lots of power, CUV-ish, hatch-ish, still luxury, you know, all sure. that kind of yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. that's not just a pure hatch, like a GTI or, yeah. you know, the, yeah. the hatches that we talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. Who is in there? Macans, yes, but they're too expensive. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Mercedes, 40K for yeah. 2015, yeah. under 19,000, 19, just under 20. Yeah. It's practically brand new. Bright okay. red, beautiful okay. car. And there's others as well, if you don't like the red. I mean, yeah, yeah, I yeah. just I think that'd be great. I think you could fit because it is that CUV kind of thing going on. Maybe. It's lowered. Maybe. I'm wondering. You know, I'm space wondering. for stuff, but one car, and, and that's the direction I'm going is okay. I think you should do just the one car with that price. Okay. I like that. I, uh, I have a couple others I want to mention real quickly. 
you you mentioned the Golf. I'm going to go Golf R real quick. Are you? Because that's one of those cars option. that has, has much more room across the board than you think. Mm-hmm. Just in general, front seats, back seats, headroom, shoulder room, it's just really, really good on space. I think you'll fit in that car. So it's worth driving if you want to go with something a little on the small side. Also, if you bought a new one, again, Volkswagen is doing their new Uber warranty, six years, 72,000 miles or whatever it is, you're going to blow through (laughs) that. It's not an Uber warranty, but it is an Uber warranty. Fair point. Yes, you're going to blow through that in two years, my friend, at this amount of miles. But why not get a Golf R, have all of the fun of a Golf R? I mean... Trust me, GTI is a fantastic cross shop. Drive them both. But for 40 k you could probably find yourself a Golf R somebody's selling, and that's a lot of car. If you want to go smaller, better gas mileage than you've been dealing with so far. So that's, that's headed that route. If you're going to go the two-car route, I do want to highly recommend the two-series BMW hmm. because our friend Jack that went on pilgrimage with us and actually just joined us in uh, at Laguna is 6'5". Yeah, that's a and great he point. he fits easily with a helmet in the 2 Series. Great point. So, he's a lanky guy. Exactly. He's, yeah. he's significantly taller than us. And I think that because I've seen him drive at the ring and at Laguna very comfortably, and Jack's a driver too, very comfortably in a 2 Series with a helmet on, that says to me you can fit, Thomas. So look at the 2 Series. I actually wonder if that might fit you better than the, 9-11, the older 911s, just in sheer headroom and body room. Mm-hmm. So I think the two series is a viable option if you if you buy a little bit older one and you get yourself that SUV as a, as a carryover. But then there's one I feel like I, I have to mention. Okay. Single car. I'm thinking about a car that's not expensive to get into. You could get some power, so it's a little bit of fun. Tons of room. You're going to fit. Dogs can go in. It doesn't have to be precious. More interesting than your forerunner. What about a Charger? A Dodge oh. Charger. Get the biggest engine you can afford. For forty and, grand, that could be just SRT. Drive it, just drive it and enjoy it. The engine will be a laugh, but you get get the eight speed if you can, because then that'll help you on that gas is a mileage. Big car, but that'd be great. It's a Thomas. huge car. It's a huge car. Dogs in the back. It's a Dodge. If it gets dinged, who cares? But it's a big car. It's got some personality. You're driving it around in Florida. You're not tracking the thing. Where that car is at its best is sawing through road miles and making you laugh with engine power. That's, that's when it shines. It is great. When it's bad is I'm on a tiny back road or a track, but you're not doing that. Oh, that's a great suggestion. So I think I like Dodge that. Charger, look at them, take a serious look, find the best combination of features and engine you can for your money. I think that gets it done, and there's a lot more personality there than your than your forerunner. I'm going to stop. Mm. You could put your hounds in the Hellcat. Be interesting. There you go. Nice, nice. Or hounds in the Hemi still works. Hounds in the hounds Hemi, in the is, Hemi is a band, by the way. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> hounds in the Hemi. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. All right, Thomas. Thank you for writing. If you've got your own car debate, write to us at everydaydrivertv at gmail.com or find us on the website, everydaydriver.com, and you can write to us there. And please do. We'd love to hear from you on all of the above topics. We love reading and hearing your opinions as well. For sure. But now we've got to jump to social media because there's so many great questions. Mm -hmm, Thank you guys mm -hmm. so much. I'm jumping over to Instagram here from Bretsta1975 asking, what motor show is currently the world's most important? Hmm. There's three that actually pop to mind, and the reason is they're all on different continents, thereby serving the customers on each of those continents. Mm -hmm. It's a debate in North America between L.A. and Detroit. Detroit is the granddaddy North American auto show, but then a lot of exhibitors have stopped exhibiting there. When you think of L.A., all the electric car startups. That's all the green, Tesla stuff, yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. That's I'm kind of leaning towards L.A. I I could be swayed, but I'm kind of leaning towards that. Then, of course, the Tokyo Motor Show. That is the Mm -hmm. granddaddy. Mm -hmm. You see all the crazy concepts there. And by concepts, I mean the alternative mobility stuff, all just the the random, crazy, cool thinking about transportation in general Mm -hmm. from all the Mm -hmm. Japanese manufacturers, which is so awesome. It just pushes everybody's thinking forward again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then finally, the one that alternates between Paris 
and Frankfurt is the IAA International Motor Show. And, yeah, they just alternate back and forth every year between those two cities. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That is the granddaddy, I would say. Just everybody is there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That gets gets all the European manufacturers throwing down, uh, for sure, for sure. That's interesting. Okay, all right. Yeah, so I will see those. Uh, Cars and Comments asked a question, said, will we see a fast blast on Todd's Mini? Thanks for writing in, man. Uh, Yes, of course you will. There's going to be long-term stuff on the Mini, as there is long-term stuff on the Lotus. I wish I had already gotten out the next long-term on the Lotus, but honestly, everything else is subjugated to the TV edits right now. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to keep YouTube stuff about every, every other week right now so that it doesn't go dry. But the TV stuff, literally all of my deadlines on TV are between now and before Christmas. So think about an entire season of TV being edited and mixed and colored between now and Christmas time. So there will be stuff coming on the mini. I'm excited to do snow stuff on the mini. All of that's going to happen. I'm just going to ask for a little bit of patience there. (laughs) Fantastic. All right. On Instagram, Markarian501 asks the checklist for buying a used car. Hmm. I'm going to go very fast here. Yeah, I could tough. leave things off, but off the top of my head is a clean title, unless you're going into it knowing that it's salvage or yeah. otherwise, but you want a clean title on the car. Agreed. Okay. Maintenance records are available, and ideally all the maintenance done at the prescribed intervals, if That'd not be sooner. Ideal. Yeah. Carfax has got to happen, so either no damage or any potential damage has been expertly repaired. Okay. <clears throat> Tires or immediate expenses? What would they be? Immediate expenses are sure, that's is the good. belt service coming that's up. Good. What's coming your way? Mm-hmm, are the tires mm-hmm. kind of needing service? Yeah, yeah, that's great. And then finally, the general upkeep, paint or interior quality. Got to look at that stuff. I will say that a test drive is not necessarily on the list. That is because I bought two cars, sight unseen, both Porsches, Fair. that I knew I wanted, mm-hmm. and I had them shipped. I did not test drive them. You knew how the car drove, but not how that car drove. Correct. Fair point. Correct. Yeah. So that's why I say I see that. I see not that. taking our own medicine test drive is not necessarily, but mm-hmm. ideally recommended. I can see that. That's a really good list. I'm trying to think if there's anything that, oh, you know what? I will say this as well. It's not on the list so far, but it should be on there. Get a pre-purchase inspection. Unless for some be- reason excellent. you're buying a, a, a CPO card, I don't mean certified Paul owned here, I mean certified <laughs> pre owned in this case. You're buying a, a CPO card from a dealer, ideally the dealer that they originally sold it. Like, Paul, you got your, your current Cayman this way. Yeah, right. It was a year old, it was CPO, it was bought there, it was maintained there. Pre purchase inspection is going to come back with all of that info again. But if you're outside of that scenario, which is a pretty narrow scenario, please get a pre purchase inspection because that's somebody that can, let's be honest, put it on a lift and check all the stuff you can't check easily, and now you just know enough. Right, right. All right, what else is on the list of questions here? Uh, Nick has continued the uh, the madness. This is madness, the uh, daily track or crush. Uh, this is a difficult one um, because it's all bad. The Volkswagen CC V6, the Camry V6, and the Impala V6. Mm-hmm. Daily, track, or crush. I'm going to crush the Impala. It's gone. It's gone. And then it's a toss-up between the other two. I think if I can go new current Camry, I might actually track that guy. Okay. And then daily the, the CC. That's pretty much what I was but thinking. It's, but it's, it's honestly, it's like pick your poison. I think they could either go either way. The new Camry has got a good amount of power. It is not a car for corners. So, but I, but I can't imagine the CC is going to really do any better. So, I think it's a toss up. Mm, I'm with you on that one. Uh, yeah, crush that Impala V6. Get rid of that thing. All right, on Facebook, Brian Hafer is asking if Todd and Paul had to switch cars, Porsche and Lotus, <laughs> who would handle the switch better? What would you miss about your car that's different in the other? Well, let's be honest. I get the far nicer car in every possible category (laughs) jumping into Paul's GTS. I would miss the very just constant flow of info, analog reality of the Porsche because the GTS insulates a lot. But in return, it gives you lots and lots and lots of nice things to make you forget about the fact that it's keeping information (laughs) from you. I think I would miss the things you're mentioning. Just... I like the size of the car. I, I don't know that I love cars really smaller than the Cayman, to be honest. I, I'm not surprised to hear that. I, yeah, I'm not surprised at all. That's about as yeah. small as I like to go. I like small, nimble cars. Yeah. I do. But I have but the a, Cayman is really my sweet spot. I have an interest in little, little stuff. But yeah. further than that, I mean, you, you'd go smaller than that, which is your Lotus, of course. 
I would love the handling. I would love soaking that up. But then all the trade-offs that you have to deal with. Yeah. All yeah, the, yeah. the creature comforts, the fact that you just keep focusing on what a brilliant car to drive. Mm-hmm. Okay, does the heat work? Well, no. Well, the heat works, actually. But air conditioner, whatever it yeah, is. Yeah. You know. It's a sacrifice car. You, you, you know. Here's your list of things that aren't great, but have you noticed how it drives? That's yeah. exactly what the, the Lotus the is. The noise for sure. of the car, just uh-huh. getting annoying after a while or... You know, various things driving. You're, you're just not seen, so you got to really be on it. You got to get around traffic and mm-hmm. you know, all those little things. But uh, yeah, you, you followed me down the canyon recently, mm-hmm. and you thought because we, we were actually driving for a little over an hour, and you thought we were just going to kind of settle in. But you watched me pick off traffic mm-hmm. because, and I mentioned this to you afterward. I wasn't trying to go out and go look at me. I'm driving fast. I refuse to sit next to people in the Lotus. If I have the option to move through traffic, I'm much better off. It, it's it's sport bike thinking. It is. Yeah. I'm much better off moving and placing where I want to be than getting stuck because somebody didn't see me. And that's very possible in that car. I hear that. Very much so. And I will add to that, please don't sit driving next to 18-wheeler semis. The tractor trailers, yeah. Yeah, don't yeah. sit in their blind spots. Don't follow them. Don't sit there anywhere around the truck. Get on it, move away from the trucks, let them have their space. Mm-hmm. I see so many people just pacing these trucks without even thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, that's fair. Mindlessly following trucks. Unless you're exiting, get around the truck. You're faster than that's it. That's a good one. That's a good Leave one. it behind. The trucker won't mind. Yeah, for sure. I have one more, that, and then I'm done for the evening, and that is Dan running on Facebook. He had a dog question. His okay. question was, obviously, I drive around with my dog, and I have a Cayenne. They have a macan. He's saying, what do we do to control the dog in the car? And over the course, my dog is over 10 now. and She's still plenty hyper for a 10-year-old. So the question is, what do we do? Now, over the course of her life, we've owned a few different vehicles. We treated it differently. But in the Cayenne, I absolutely harness her in. I put on one of those little chest harness things, and that chest harness has a plug to plug into one of the back seat belts. So she cannot get in the front. She has to stay on the seat. She has a little bit of room to move. If, if I roll down a window, she can stick her, her muzzle out, that kind of stuff. But she's, she's buckled in, and she has a harness that is designed for a dog. That's how I solve that problem. Oh, I like that. I've got three very quick ones here. First of all, touching on Eric S.'s question about Paul own tips for cleaning and maintaining a convertible canvas top. And the next hour of the podcast. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to say there are many products available that claim convertible top cleaning. But start with soap and water. And test a small area at first. It says this on directions of many products, but believe me, that's good advice to take. Just Mm -hmm. start at a little corner because those convertible tops are exposed to sun and wind and rain and all that stuff. And so they're they're brittle at some points. So you just want to test that first. But soap and water is probably the best Mm -hmm. with a nice bristle Mm -hmm. brush. You don't have to go toothbrush like I would and, you know, spend your afternoon (laughs) slowly scrubbing your convertible top. top. Yeah, Paul, it's nice. (laughs) Uh, what else on here is Drew's question about current car manufacturers' emphasis on having a cohesive brand design. Mm-hmm. Do you think its use is a necessary identifying factor, or is it smothering design expression? Absolutely. Here is the deal. Ken Okiyama is a great example of this. He's a Japanese guy, mm-hmm. excellent mm-hmm. designer. Yeah. He used to head up the transportation design department at Art Center. Yeah. He designed the Ferrari Enzo. Yeah. He's Japanese. Yeah. How do you take Italian heritage... And keep that going, other than Ken just doing what he wants. Maybe he has his own thinking, Mm -hmm. but when you're not designing for yourself, you've got to think about that. And car design is especially the most important for that. Furniture, you kind of do things you like, other products. But cars, this has to sell to a lot of people, even supercars like the Mm -hmm. Enzo. But how do you keep that Italian heritage or, you know, American designers designing for Japanese companies? And, sure, and what sure. What is it about the theme that makes it? You look at a car and you know it's Japanese. Mm-hmm. Or the Germans, you know, anybody designing for Germans. Alfonso Albeza is the director of design for Nissan. Mm-hmm. He's Cuban. Mm-hmm. And he, his counterpart is a former uh, classmate of mine, Kareem Habib. He's now the director of design for Infinity. Yeah. He's Lebanese. How do you keep that Japanese theme going and, and pull the heritage out, yeah, but yeah. keep it beautiful and very much recognizable as that car? Because, sure. as I said, the age of autonomy is upon us. And so what will differentiate the, the different cars? The Infinity Pod, yes. <laughs> what about our pods? So it's very, very important. It's actually the most crucial piece, and that mm. is the IP that's most important to car manufacturers. 
And then last one on here is from Andy asking about the LA Auto Show the last week of November here, mm-hmm. November 2017. Yes, I will be there for press days, all three days. So if you're there, definitely say hello. Hope to run into you. You are still TBD, I think, at this point. Yeah, I'm 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 having a hard time with the amount of editing ahead of me. Yeah, I may not definitely be understand. Yeah. But I will definitely be there. And uh, like I said, love to meet you. But we will wrap it up there, guys. Thank you so much for listening and watching. And uh, again, all those who were with us on this meetup and the, the recent trip, we look forward to doing more of those in the future. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth, you will certainly send any text about your supervisor to your supervisor. What's with Janet's bangs? Did she lose a bet with a weed whacker? <laughs> LOL. And sent. Wait, no, 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 no. Truth, it's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com. Janet, I think my phone was hacked or something. GEICO, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like kind of a pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics, a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran for weeks. Prosecutor Dan Cochran. I think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. I'm Rita Foley.